even if this goes south in the human estimation, will you still be faithful to me? Mm -hmm. And some days that answer was maybe. And some days that answer was absolutely. And some days that answer was just hold me and keep me walking and like, don't, don't let go and let me know when I can open my eyes, that type of thing. So it was not by any means easy. When you find yourself between here and there, the now and the then, it can feel difficult to embrace life and all that it has to offer, especially when you feel like you haven't arrived yet. Wherever you're at though, we wanna help in that beautiful struggle of transitioning well through aspects of faith and life with The Places Between, a podcast all about transitions. Hi, I'm your host, Wendy. I'm a storyteller and a creative with a passion for adventure, fitness, and faith. What began as a love for travel, experiences, and community turned into helping clients around the country tell their own stories and inviting others to join them. I've always been passionate about people fully living. That means navigating those places between, opening up a safe space to have conversations and encouraging growth along the journey. So join me as we explore what it's like to transition well on the places between. As we dive into our next guest, I'm excited to share yet another week of miraculous, God-ordained, working behind the scenes to gloriously show up and show off stories. Watching this story unfold was wild in real time, and I look back to remember the creativity and faithfulness of God in this story, so I can't wait to share it with you. She wanted to be a missionary and move to Africa. She always wanted to adopt, and he was definitely staying put in the U.S., but he didn't really want to adopt, and it would only be a God thing to have him divinely orchestrate the story of Heidi and Chris. I can't wait for you guys to jump in. Along the journey of our friendship, I've loved how I've learned from Heidi. She taught me about inviting God into the process of It doesn't always have to look pretty, and we get to invite him into the ugly parts of our story too, and we can trust that he's a good father, and he has immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine planned, and part of Heidi's story exemplifies this so well. I'm so honored to have gotten to see some miraculous moments in Heidi's story come to life, and I've got a treat for you to listen to today. Her words oftentimes came at just the perfect time that my soul needed encouragement. And I'm so thrilled to get to share some of her wisdom with you today. I pray her story is just evidence of his goodness and faithfulness that is available for you too. This is where you can say, I want that too, Lord. Heidi has been in full-time ministry for 19 years. She's worked in missions, the local church, and in social work settings. Her heart to see people know God and not get distracted by false images that many believers project. She wants God to impact the lives of those that she interacts with for His glory and ultimately their benefit. In my observation of her life, she certainly has impacted many. She's definitely impacted mine. Well, 
Without further ado, I hope you enjoy today's combo with my dear, dear friend, Heidi. Heidi, it's so good to see you. Hi, <laughs> love. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. I'm so honored just to have a little of your time and get to share your incredible story with some listeners. So thanks Thank for joining us. Here. So why don't we start just because I know a handful of things about you, but for those that aren't familiar with who you are, just what does the world of Heidi look like? And why don't you also tell us something that people don't know from social media? <laughs> um, I don't post on social media a lot because I'm busy. Um, no, I, I hate that word, but I am a pastor and a mom of three kids. And so that does keep me running. That's for sure. Yeah. But I'm taking kids to school, extracurricular activities. They're in the place now where they're involved in things. So my life is not my own, but I am a pastor and uh, work with people on a daily basis, just trying to do discipleship and increase the kingdom of God. So, and I'm a wife too. I am actually married. <laughs> He's probably like, yeah, she loved me out. Um, yeah. It's man. Whew, it's a busy, crazy life, but it's fun. So, well, and I did see on social media, you did recently get to go to Disney world. Yes. It was a dream come true for us. So we had, since the time we got married, uh, the kids were really little. We wanted to take them to Disney World. I went to college just 45 minutes away from there. So I was, I had a lot of adult, young adult memories from there and wanted to take the kids to experience it. And so we had kind of dreamed of it for a long time and been saving for it, but hadn't, hadn't really made it a priority. And then earlier this year, we were like, you know what, let's do it. Let's just commit and do it. And we did. So I love that. Was really what was your favorite ride? Oh, my favorite ride. Uh, the probably the Pandora experience at the Animal Kingdom. It's like um, you ride on a banshee from the movie Avatar. No, it's a three D experience, but also very tactical. Like you feel a lot of things. So it's very, it's a very cool ride. I love that. Aw. Yeah. Okay. That and Space Mountain. <laughs> oh yes, everybody loves Space Mountain. <laughs> My daughter hated it. You can't even say it around her. She's like, "Don't say that word in front no. of me." Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So you and I have been friends for quite some time. I was privileged to meet you not quite 10 years ago. I know that we became fast friends through, it was Red Rock Sports. We had this love of like social gatherings. We did kickball on summer evenings. I think we just really bonded over just really cool God stories and getting to see him move in like multiple friends stories. Yeah. So I want to dive into some of the beginning parts of our friendship. I remember I had just gotten out of a relationship mm -hmm. and um, some of the things that you and I became fast friends over um, was you just imparting wisdom to me in my season of nursing a broken heart, <laughs> but mm -hmm. then also looking forward to what God had for me next. Mm -hmm. And you were just a really pivotal part of that healing. So I want to say thank you publicly. But then also, I remember we were both in unique seasons of like rest and seeing what God had for us next. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about the season 
you were just wrapping up working with Max Life. And mm-hmm. I think it's when you lived in Littleton. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. And yeah. Um, how did you come to a position of like, you knew that you wanted to step out of what you were doing and then just see what God had for you next? Mm-hmm. Well, prior to meeting you and being in that season, the ministry that I had worked for before Max Life had really just the best way to describe it had imploded. <laughs> um, so choices that people made that were part of the leadership team and things like that, that the board had addressed and tried to do a godly confrontation. Um, and I say tried because I don't know that you can ever do confrontation perfectly, but we really were trying to follow the biblical model that we found in Matthew 18 of, you know, show the fault, try to give time for reconciliation, that sort of thing. And the response was just a, essentially a hard no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to yield to that. And so the board ended up resigning as a mass basically, um, because there was not going to be any type of real reconciliation or, um, following the guidelines that that we felt like God had set in place for the ministry. So it, it imploded. And that was a really painful time for me because I had put a lot of my identity in that ministry. Mm-hmm. So uh, the people at Max Life kind of came around me and said, okay, you know, we're going to give you opportunities and give you a place to rest, but also something to do with your hands and kind of utilize some of your giftings. But it was a very severe uh, pulling back of how busy I had been, how involved I had been, how utilized I think I had felt. I felt like I was significant in that ministry. And when it was removed, I didn't really know what to do with me. So leading up to the season where I was helping with Max Life and then going into vertical, I uh, had really just had some very significant seasons of laying things down, resting, but being forced to rest. Like I didn't want to rest. (laughs) Um, God was like, no, I need you to rest. I need you to step back. I'm teaching you some things. And I had a pretty significant situation with my family as well in that time where my brother had some mental health illness um, Mm. situations and I was very affected by that as well, um, kind of being the focal point of his wrath. That's the word. Mm-hmm. He was very angry. Wow. So I was the focal point of that. So that plus the implosion of the ministry really had me reeling and redefining my identity, allowing God to kind of show himself in a different way than he ever had in my life before because there was nothing left. Um, Mm -hmm. So coming into the season where I met you, I had been going through a lot of redefinition of myself, of what God had me to do, what he was going to use me for in ministry, if he was going to continue to use me in ministry um, and laying that down and just really kind of surrendering. Okay. Everything that I've known about myself is now dead at your feet. (laughs) What are you going to (laughs) do? Who do you want to be for me right now? How are you going to redefine me? What is that going to look like? So, wow. Well, and something that's unique, what I remember at that point of my life, I didn't have a lot of friends that would actually talk about their spiritual life in the way that you just described it. 
having a communication with the Lord of who do you want to be for me right now? And, and what do you want to do? And, and really understanding what that looked like. It was like, we were all friends from church and we had pretty clean fun, Mm -hmm. um, so to speak, but then actually just diving into Mm -hmm. a deeper level of somebody that I felt like was a good friend, but also learning from you at the same time of like, how are you navigating the unknown of what's next? I had just finished a season with a full-time employer. Um, That's when I had left working with Caleb Radio. And I was stepping out into this world of exciting adventure, but I had no clue what I was going to do. Yeah. And so that was just, it was really neat for um, even just that summer of building our friendship and seeing what God was teaching you and also learning from you at the same time of being like, oh, I should ask these questions too. <laughs> God, who do you want to be for me? I don't have financial resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And then just seeing the way that God answered prayers in the journey. Mm-hmm. Now, what year, what year did you locate, relocate to Colorado? I moved here in 2002 to do a discipleship training school. Okay. And, and my that was with was, YWAM? With YWAM, yes. Youth with Mission. My goal was just to do that and go back home and get my master's and become a counselor. And that was what I was going to do. And God said, nope. <laughs> yeah. So why did you, so what caused you to stay after that? Well, I, I did go home after the five months that I did my initial training school. And one of the ladies that had helped with my training school said, I'll see you in January for this next one that was coming. And I was like, no, you won't. And she's like, see you in January. And I was like, get away from me. <laughs> um, and I hadn't been home very long. And I, I really did feel, feel a real call from the Lord to come back. And I was very resistant because I did not want to become a missionary. My view of that was living in a mud hut in Africa by myself, single forever, you know, and so I was, that was a fear of mine, but God was calling me into a different level of leadership. He really was. Um, I had always been very shy and very withdrawn and very uh, scared of the world and uh, had a hard time like really relating to people and unless it was like a one-on-one conversation, but you know, if you had told me, oh, you'll be in leadership, I would have cringed and hid. And so that was college really was where God started to push me out of the nest and kind of show me I've gifted you, I've called you to lead. But then when I was in YWAM, that's when I got a lot of opportunities to really put that into practice. And so I I stayed because God kept saying, I have more. And I was like, okay, if you provide, I'll stay. And then he would. And so I had to keep my word. I love that. Yeah. Well, and I love that it's, I'm sure the emotions to go alongside of it weren't that simple, but Mm -hmm. it seems like to have that type of a relationship with the Lord to say, okay, if you provide, that means I'll stay. Mm -hmm. And then just seeing God show up. Yeah. And talk about a faith builder. (laughs) Like Now, so the season that I met you, was that the year that you stepped into being a life groups pastor? I believe it was the year before. So we met and then I, in the course of that year was when I did get hired as a pastor. Yes. Yeah. So it was, it was a little while after I was still kind of in the season of waiting, learning. My counselor was challenging me every week, you know, 
who does God want to be for you right now? <laughs> yeah. Like he's hiding. That's how it felt sometimes. But when he's like, or every time I asked, you know, like, who do you want to be for me in this moment? And he would answer, you know, your friend, let's go do this fun thing or just sit and be quiet. And I have journal entries that I've screenshotted where I was like, Lord, please be done with this resting thing. I need to do something. I'm so tired of just sitting still. But that season was so good for me to really connect to God's heart. So, but yes, then after that, he did bring me into a pastoral position. Wow. Well, it was summer of 2014, I believe. I want to share this specifically because it it then jumps into your story that I'd love to have listeners hear. So we had just experienced this incredible basketball camp in Maui through Basketball Maui. Thanks to Heidi's invitation, I got to go with her and the rest of the team to coach for a week in Maui, which was transforming. And later that summer, you, Daisy, and I had gotten together at the tavern just to catch up, do a little reunion, a little fellowship over happy hour and yummy wings or something. And I remember this conversation vividly because it was a season of waiting for all of us. Mm -hmm. But Daisy was talking about her season of singleness. I think I was still recovering or still in this, well, I'm single. I'm not sure if I want to date yet. I don't know what that looks like. And then you are also waiting to find your person, but also dealing with the emotions and processing how you might not ever have kids. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we didn't know what God was up to, right? Yeah. So can you jump into, this is like the ellipsis of like, Heidi, take the wheel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Well, so a little bit of backstory, just to give some context. When I was 22, I had gone on a missions trip to Russia. And I think I was going into my senior year of college. And I remember on my 22nd birthday, sitting in Russia in this courtyard at this hotel, my leaders were sharing about their love story. And I remember saying to God, you know, Lord, am I ever going to get married? Because if I'm not, just tell me now so I can let that dream go. And then I will just follow you and do whatever, you know, but I just need to know if I'm going to be an old maid. How 22. <laughs> Because every single person is an old maid to a 22-year-old. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I was just convinced like, oh man, this is my, I don't know if I thought 23 was going to hit an expiration date or what. But but I, I remember, I could probably count on one hand the number of times that I know God spoke to me in my spirit. I could, I could sense like, okay, this is not my thoughts. This is God speaking. And that was one of those moments. And he said... Heidi, it's going to look impossible, but if you will trust me, I will blow your mind. So I immediately started looking for all the impossible scenarios I could imagine, made a fool of myself a lot. But fast forward to uh, like 16, 17 years later, which I say that so flippantly, it was not like, oh, and then 16 years later, like there was a lot of conversations and prayers and me going back to God and going, I think I heard you wrong pretty sure I missed it. And so that summer of 2014, um, it had been 16 years at that point that since God had spoken that. And I just was at a place where I was like, you know, like this isn't happening. And the men that were around me at the time, 
I mean, I definitely had interests and things like that, but I just, nothing was happening. And I was like, you know, God, maybe I just need to lay this down completely, like be okay. And there was a supernatural thing that happened where, and I can't really explain it. Like there wasn't like an epiphanal moment. It was just a piece came over me at one point that summer where I was like, you know, I probably will never be a mom and I am okay with that. And then a little while later, it took a few more weeks after that, where I was like, you know, I I don't think I'm going to get married either. And I'm actually okay. And people who had known me for years prior to that were very worried. They were like, she has finally lost it. And I was like, no, really, like I'm more okay than I ever have been. And it was kind of weird to feel that and be able to say that with conviction, but I really was, I was just resolved. I'm like, okay, like I, I mean, I don't know if the word is surrender or just resolved, but I was okay with moving forward as a single woman in ministry, wherever that took me. And I actually was planning on going to Africa to live in a mud hut, and which like full circle, you know, my, my greatest fear going into mission was that that would be what happened. And then here I was going, well, that's my plan. In two years, I'm moving to Africa to live in a mud hut. And so that conversation at the tavern, I was relaying that. And I think a Daisy was genuinely like, oh, she's for sure lost it. Like she's done. And like the next conversation is an intervention. Right. Yes. Like she's like, guys, we got to get together. She's losing her mind. But in that same year, shortly before I got the piece that I wouldn't be a mom, a friend of mine who had been a supporter of mine for five years lost his wife. And I had reached out, you know, like, do you need help? Do you need anything? He had very small children. One of them was two and the other, the twins were 12 days old when his wife passed away. So I was reaching out throughout that summer and really kind of had had like a little bit of a maybe God wants me to step into that situation and be their mom. But he wasn't responsive to that, which grief he was grieving. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to make, you know, these plans and pursue that. And then if God wants that to happen, he could do it. So that's kind of where I was that night at the tavern. Wow. And I think that you had, you had brought up the story Mm -hmm. because you were like, Hey, this is a really tragic story. I have this friend. Can you pray for his well-being? And like, how do you navigate loss and parenthood all at the same time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as you moved forward, how did God like start to bring your story together? Because at this point, you guys are friends, you're in his life. Mm -hmm. You have this idea When were you sure that the idea was a possibility? That summer, like I said, I had reached out a couple of times. As a pastor at a larger church, I had access to resources that I knew he didn't really have. So I would say, you know, like, do you need groceries, that type of thing? And sometimes he would respond and sometimes he wouldn't. And so I was just kind of, okay, you know, that night at the tavern, I was telling you guys about him. And within a week, my birthday was right around there as well. I think my birthday had been a couple of days before we went to dinner at the tavern. And I went to another dinner with my best friend and we were on our way home that night. And she asked me, she said, have you heard from Chris? And I said, oh, he's grieving. He's kind of in his cave 
And, you know, he'll come out when he's ready to talk, but no, I haven't heard from him recently. And she was like, oh, okay. But she was helping me process through this new kind of epiphanal moment of me like, okay, I have a different plan for my life now. And I'm going to move towards this, you know, Africa thing and I'm getting out of debt and all of this. And so we're talking about it. And she asked me about him and I was like, that's weird that she brought him up, but whatever. And, uh, so when I got home that evening, he had messaged me on Facebook, which I was like, oh, that's interesting. And the day before I had, because again, I was walking through this whole process with God of like surrender and just like, okay, this dream that I've had for 16 years that I thought you spoke to me, you know, like I'm laying it down. And so I posted the words to the worship song, Oceans, you know, take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. I can't even remember all the words, but, um, but the last line was in the presence of my savior. Well, he thought I was suicidal. Like he was like, oh no, like she's trying to go be with Jesus, you know? So he's like, what's this? And he didn't know the song. So he's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm great. What, what's, what's up? And he's like, well, your status yesterday was kind of vague. And I was like, oh, it's words to a song. I didn't think anything of it. Wow. And he said, oh, I thought you were like going to hurt yourself or something. And I said, no, I actually have more vision than I've ever had before. You know, like I'm really excited. This is kind of my plan. You know, I'm thinking I'm going to get out of debt and move to Africa in a couple of years. And he goes, please don't move to Africa. And I was like, why? <laughs> so in the course of that conversation over Facebook Messenger, he kind of revealed, you know, like I've always kind of had a crush on you. I think maybe like at some point in the future, it might be cool if we connected, but like, I'm not in a place to commit to that right now. And I was like, no, <laughs> I was like I'm moving to Africa. Um, wow. Probably a week after that, that kind of got the ball rolling on God, just kind of speaking to me about some things. And I had a couple moments that week where I stopped and said, Lord, is this something that you are doing? Mm -hmm. Is this a thing that you might ask me to walk into? And there was a moment where I asked that question and I've never experienced this before or since where I felt peace go from the top of my head to the toes of my feet and out. And I was like, I'm going to take that as a yes. And it, it that, there was a knowing in my spirit at that point, like, this is what God is asking me to do. Mm -hmm. I did not know what that would entail, but I knew that God was asking me to, to commit to him. Wow. Okay. So you experienced this supernatural yet crazy interaction mm -hmm. with the Lord. Yes. You know, you're being asked to commit to him. What does that, what does that do to your plans? Are you like, okay, chuck them out the window or just hold them loosely and then be like, so do you want to date? <laughs> or Yeah. So the interesting part of interacting with people who are grieving is, I mean, everyone grieves differently. That is the truth. It was still very fresh, which felt a little bit weird and wrong to some degree to go, oh, this is so soon. But the children were so small at the time that I think both of us kind of knew, like, look, we either got to know or not know because there's babies, there's littles, there's a two-year-old who's grieving, you know, that type of things so that was like, if we don't have the word of the Lord, we have no business. But if we've got the word of the Lord, then we kind of need to move on it. And 
and then you factor in grief and the emotions that come with that. So the, it, there was, it was a good amount of rockiness yeah. where I was so grateful that for the season that I had walked through the year before where God had really taken time to solidify me knowing who I was in Christ mm. and being able to stand on my own two feet. And really for the first time in my life, I had learned how to take things to the Lord and go, is this true? If it's not true, I'm giving it no credence, you know, um, being able to take people's opinions of me and kind of filter through that and go, okay, they can think that, but the truth is this is who I am. And knowing those things, I I did not realize that that process would be so significant in my romantic relationships, but it was very significant that God had taken me through that season to be able to know who I was so that when he reacted out of grief bursts or you know, irrationally, just because his grief was informing something that wasn't there, you know, I could go, "Mm, you're not talking about me. This is not me. Wow. I think you're, you know, this or that or whatever. And and, and sometimes it was me. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. There were times that I was like, listen, I'm a person and you're going to treat me nice. Okay. (laughs) Um, But being able to, for the most part, take it to the Lord and say, okay, this is crazy. He's acting nuts. He deleted me from Facebook, you know, like, but he, he was reacting emotionally just out of partially from the grief, but also partially from the guilt of God might give me this gift that feels too soon, too fast, too good, and wasn't really sure how to process all of that. So, wow. so we walked through about 18 months of a good amount of up and down. There was a lot of up and down. A lot of days that I was like, well, did you say this? You know, like maybe I was yeah. that that piece came over me. But some really good epiphanal moments too, where God was healing him, continuing to heal me, bringing me into a place of just confidence, I think, mm-hmm. that, that God was moving and that it was going to be okay. And, you know, his timing was right. Well, and as listeners know from the beginning of the podcast, you are married, mm-hmm. you are the mother of three children. <laughs> so it has all worked out very well. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I, I hear occasional stories from hearsay of people that like think God tells them one thing and then the next thing they know it, they're filing bankruptcy and mm-hmm. we're going through a terrible breakup or whatever. And it's complete opposite from you from your journey of being like, no, this was confirmed from the Lord. And I had mentors speak into this and confirm it along the way and going through therapy and um, seeking other resources. So can you speak a little bit about like what your community looked like surrounding you in that time? Because I know that's exciting yet difficult season to navigate, to know what to do next. Yeah, it was mixed. There were a lot of people who were very excited that this was a possibility. There were a lot of people who were adamant that I was settling and Mm -hmm. just desperate. And so I was taking the first thing that came along. (laughs) I was like, "Uh, I'm going to move to Africa. This is not my plan. But I think that that really describes probably any season in life. You know, there's going to be people who are doubters. There's going to be people who are 100% gung-ho. This is what you should do. Thus saith the Lord. 
And somewhere in the middle, I think is where God left, like met me where he was like, you know, okay, if this doesn't work out, are you going to be okay? And I had to wrestle with that, you know, well, kind of feels like you're dangling a carrot in front of me. And if it doesn't work out, I'm, I might be a little mad, you know, but then maybe it would be the best. And so I, I went through all of that wrestling of the good, the bad, the ugly, the possible dream come true, quote unquote, the other possible, this could be devastating. These kids could be ruined forever, mm-hmm. that type of thing. But again, going back to that season that God had trained me for a, almost a year in just, do you trust me? Am I good? Do you believe what I say? Even if this goes south in the human estimation, will you still be faithful to me? Mm-hmm. And some days that answer was maybe, and some days that answer was absolutely. And some days that answer was just hold me and keep me walking and like, don't, don't let go and let me know when I can open my eyes, that type of thing. So it was not by any means easy. There were days that I faltered in my belief. One of the things that I said a lot to God was, I believe help my own belief because The places that I can't see are hard for me to imagine. I don't know what you're doing. I'm not sure what the end result of this is. And, but I do trust that you're good because you took me through eight months of teaching me your goodness for me specifically. And my counselor was a huge part of that where she would say, you know, who is God? And I would say things that I knew to be true because he had proven them to me. You know, he's good. He's for me. He's not against me. And she's like, do you believe that today? I'm like, my flesh doesn't, but I know with absolute resolve because I choose to believe that he is who he says he is. He's not a liar. So I'm going to keep walking. But there really were, I mean, for lack of a better term, there was a lot of days where it was just surely by faith. Okay, God, I believe who you say you are. I believe what you've spoken, even if I will still follow you. Mm -hmm. Wow. When I think that key there of the, even if like, I fully, fully believe that God is faithful in all things. And I think that that's something that I've had to really learn to navigate in the last couple of years of God, you are faithful. Regardless, you can work all things together for good, even the bad. Yeah. And no one else can do that except for God. The thought of, however, even if you don't do X, Y, Z, I'll still praise you because you are still faithful and he's still good. So I would like to say that it was such a privilege to stand in your wedding as a reader and just to see what seemed like an army of people come around (laughs) to support you guys. And um, it was one of the most, seriously, one of the most beautiful weddings I've ever been to. As somebody who got married a little bit, quote unquote, later in life, it's not like you were old by any means. (laughs) You were 25 when you got married. Mm -hmm. And as someone who is still single and as someone who knows and I know you know many people that are still single that still really have that desire to be married, whether male or female, but it's just hard in the waiting. So I had asked you if you could find your post from the day you got married. So it says, to all the single ladies who are waiting, quote unquote, God is good. He is on your side. 
He is a good, good father. He loves you. I know that it feels like he doesn't see you. You might think he has forgotten you and your heart's desires. I know this because that is my story. Today, a chapter in my story ends and a new one begins. Many people told me to enjoy my single years, and I loathed that for a while. While I embrace this next chapter with joy, I look back at the 40 years that it has been just me and Jesus, and I don't wish it to be different. Every tear, every angry drive, every prayer, every step, they all brought me this far. Now my journey will be different, but one thing remains, he is good. So walk with him. Enjoy the adventure of today. Let him love you and wait for his best. It most likely won't look like you expect it to. And know that this 40-year-old bride is praying for your joy to be complete, firmly rooted in the love of your heavenly father. I love that. Does it make you emotional? It kind of does. It totally makes me emotional just because I think, especially when you get to see God's faithfulness show up in somebody's life, it's like, you know, this weird competition thing that our society breathes Mm -hmm. um, as faith-filled believers that are like in each other's court to be like, I'm cheering for you. And like, I want you to get happily ever after just as much as I want to get there. And um, it was just such a beautiful statement of sentiments um, just to share with all of your girlfriends that we're still single. So thank you for sharing that yet Mm -hmm. again. And if you're a listener listening and you are in that single point, I would encourage you to listen again or to take Heidi's words to heart. So I'm sure you feel like you haven't like arrived in life. You've managed um, five years, five and a half years of marriage. Um, Tell us a little bit about what life is like now. How have you seen God show up in the details Mm -hmm. as of late? Yeah, this is something that's very dear to me because in the 18 years that I waited from the promise, you know, the assurance, like, oh, don't worry, to now, the process that God took me through was, in short, know me, stick close to me, be faithful to me. I'm the one that is your God. I'm I'm your person. And I was so focused on finding my person, finding my, my partner. You know, I had so many expectations of what that would look like. And it has not been that, you know, I, I just, the things that I dreamed of, the, the expectations that I had were just different. And so at first I was kind of like, really God, like what, you know, but I looked back on certain points in my waiting. Um, At one point I had had a moment with the Lord where I was so frustrated that he had said that and then confirmed it a couple of times, but nothing was happening and no one was interested. And and I call them my bratty moments, but that this moment where I said to God, you know what? I don't think I'm going to follow you anymore because you're not keeping your word and I'm done. And he said, Hmm. And and God is a little sassy with me because I'm real sassy with him. And so, <laughs> but it was one of those other moments where I, like I said, I could probably count them on one hand, the times that I knew God was speaking to me. And he said, really, you're going to give up on me who will never fail you, never leave you, never forsake you, who will be faithful to you until I bring you into heaven. But you think you could be married and stay faithful to a man? And I was like, ow, 
and I mean, it was like a gut punch. I was like, whoa, you're playing hardball. And he said, Heidi, you have no idea what I'm doing, who I am. Like, and, and that was, I think that was right prior to the year that he kind of took me through, like I'm teaching my goodness, but I was so humbled with his response. I was Mm -hmm. like, you're right. Like I probably would give up on a man pretty fast if I'm going to give up on you. And so that was a really humbling moment. And then there was another one that basically God just assured me, you're going to need me until the day you die. Even when you find your husband, you will not be fully secure. You will not be fully fulfilled. And I was like, yeah, 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 whatever, you know? And he's right because every season that we walk into, whether it's a career or a relationship or a dream come true or a dream devastated or something taken away, we always have the responsibility and the opportunity to respond to God as a person and as our best friend. And I have not always done that well. I don't know that I have done it well in my marriage, to be honest. But there have been significant moments where I've said, okay, God, like I choose to allow you to work in me through this hard season, through this difficult thing, through this not what I expected type of thing to make something beautiful because God doesn't waste anything and he makes beauty from ashes. And so the ashes of my husband's grief were so hard to navigate the ashes of my expectations that weren't coming to fruition because I had waited for so long. You know, I was very much, even though I said I wasn't, I was very much expecting kind of a fairy tale experience where he would think, you know, Oh, you're so amazing to step into this. Like I thought so much of myself and God's like, you need me to walk through this. And I was like, Oh, yeah, I do. And so, but that humbling is so good because then God can come in and make something way more beautiful than mm-hmm. what I expected. And to watch my children respond to God because I didn't have everything they needed, but for God to step in and teach them things to give them wisdom and insight, to help them to apply scripture to themselves where I don't have the words for that. And, and to listen to my daughter say, oh, well, this is how you apply that scripture. This is how you be kind to someone, you know? And I'm like, you are wise beyond your years, girl. You know, And people, and I'm like, that's the Lord working. And so whether we're waiting for the big thing to be fulfilled or we have the big thing and it's not what we thought it would be, pieces of it are. It's not that it's not beautiful, but our expectations are far less than what God actually has planned. And I think sometimes I get tripped up on that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wait, this is not what I thought you promised me. And he didn't give me a lot of detail. He just said, if you trust me, I'll blow your mind. Yeah. I'm like, oh, but all the colors in between, you didn't talk about that. And he's like, wait, no, you know, so, but, but that does build even more intimacy with the Lord to know that he doesn't give me the details that he knows that I can't handle. He just walks me through them. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, and he's such a tangible, like present father 
to us that he's not just like, oh, figure it out. I gave you an outline. Mm -hmm. He's like, like what you just said, if you trust me, I will blow your mind. And Mm -hmm. the thing that I have to continue to keep coming back to is that God is only good. It's Mm -hmm. against his nature to not be. Yeah. So having lived through such a long season of singleness, and now that you are married, you know, for some of the listeners that are listening, they are married. So they're like, I got married young and I don't know what that waiting is like, but um, any tips for people that that are married and how they can encourage maybe their single friends? Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest things is being present for them and including them in your life. Having been there recently as a single woman, the invitation to be a part of things is important for people in ministry to include those who are single and not to exclude them because they aren't married yet or they can't understand this thing. We can all understand a relationship with God. We can all understand that he wants to relate to us as a person and then utilize us within the boundaries that we have in our character, in our giftings, in our calling, and to be okay in whatever state that's in, you know, whether it's, I've got all this time and I can do a lot of things, or I've got 20 minutes, you know, like, is that good enough to be able to grace for each other? So I've learned about having grace with myself and just going, okay, I can't do some of the things that I used to do, but it doesn't mean that God isn't still using my story, allowing me to be a blessing and then loving on people who are going, I want what you have. And I'm like, okay, let's keep trusting God. What does he put in front of you today? You know, like, what is it that, what's the gift of today that he's put in front of you and do that well? Mm-hmm. Because the principle of, you know, being faithful in the small things so that he'll give you much. We don't know the size of each thing that he puts in front of us. It might seem really small to us, but to God, it's huge. And it might seem really big. And and God's like, yeah, that's not that significant. And we don't get to make that determination. He does. We just have to be faithful with what he puts in front of us. Absolutely. I'll never forget some advice that you had given me that you felt like was an impression from the Lord of like, do not despise small beginnings. And every now and then that pops back up and I'm like, hmm. I wonder if that's what God meant by this. <laughs> I love how I've learned from you of inviting God into the process of it doesn't always have to look pretty and we get to invite him into the ugly parts of our story. Um, but we can trust that he's a good father and he has immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine planned. And um, I do think that part of your story um just exemplifies that so well. So I'm so honored to have gotten to see that come to life for you. And um, I know that you have things to look forward and ahead to. So as we wrap up, um, my final question is what place are you between? And then how can we pray for you? Yeah. Uh, Well, being a mom now, I, I really want my children to know the Lord and to understand 
his character, his goodness, all the things that I missed as a child, not because of not being taught them. My parents were awesome at teaching us about the Lord and his goodness and that sort of thing. I think I just, as a person, received different things, different ways, and our perspective matters. But raising these kids, you know, and knowing that they were purposed by the Lord is a big, if I let it, it could be a lot of pressure. (laughs) I really try not to do that, not not to push pressure on myself, but, but really to steward them well. That's a big thing for me that I struggle with sometimes. I mean, I struggle a lot, actually, just going, I ruined him again, you know, and recognizing, you know, I need a lot more emotional health or, you know, more connection with the Lord so that I can do this well. So that's, I think in the in-between, I think about our oldest is going to be 18 in nine years, which doesn't seem like very long, but like nine summers. So, but watching their character development and asking the Lord, you know, like give me wisdom to know how to steward well these gifts because they were born to a different mother their genetic makeup is different than it had been, had it been my genetic makeup in them. So I feel like it's very purposeful that God created them before I was involved. Mm. And my husband said one time, you know, I wonder what it is that he placed in them that he used that unique DNA to put together. And I was like, I know, I'm so curious. And he's like, what are they going to be? I'm like, I don't know. Um, but to just do that well, I think that's the biggest thing. It would be such an honor to just keep praying for you as you navigate life of motherhood and being a pastor at the same time. That's incredible. And I just thank you for joining us for the last little bit of time on the places between. I'll make sure to include in show notes how listeners can reach out to you as well. But so thanks, Heidi. Love you so much. We'll catch you again next time on The Places Between. I'm over here cheering you on, friend. You just finished another episode of The Places Between podcast. If you want to access more, be sure to subscribe or visit theplacesbetween.com to learn more about our guests, episode sponsors, upcoming retreats, and more. Like Stay in the Story, a 25-day devotional all about staying in your story while you wait on your dreams, on God, and on life to come to fruition. And lastly, if you're looking for an online community of people who also want to transition well, then come say hi over on Instagram at The Places Between. As always, thanks for taking time to dive into The Places Between. Until next time, keep enjoying that journey.